Choosing which assets to invest in often comes down to how markets are mispricing specific assets or companies. They can either be overpriced or underpriced. Understanding these market mechanisms normally underpins whether a specific asset is a good opportunity to invest in or not. Market volatility, macroeconomic and geopolitical events are just some of the factors that determine whether share prices are over or underpriced. And knowing how to spot these differences goes a long way in identifying attractive investment opportunities. Joining us to discuss this further is PSG Wealth Chief Investment Officer Adrian Pask. Hi, Adrian. Investment success is generally made when markets misprice specific share prices. I'm sure you'd agree with that. And investment professionals like yourself spend your career spotting these differences to find attractive opportunities. What is PSG Wealth's view on this, Adrian? Hi, Kieran, and, and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. So markets are effectively pricing mechanisms and, and they look at the prospects and risks to the earnings prospects to, to companies. And then they try to, to price those inaccurately. So obviously it's highly susceptible to opinions of individual analysts and fund managers that trade these stocks and uh, which makes the process you know, obviously prone to error and mispricing. So I think the trick for for investment professionals is to identify the areas where other investors are potentially making mistakes and then using those uh, mispricing opportunities to generate uh, investment offer for clients. Now, I think a, a useful rule of thumb is actually, you know, when, when markets are on the up, uh, opportunities are often overestimated and, and the risks underestimated. All the focus is on, on the good news. And contrary to that, when markets are under pressure, what we often see is that, that the risks are overestimated and the op- opportunities are underestimated, which then creates some opportunities as well. Can you give us a few examples of instances where we've seen this kind of mispricing going on in the market and you've been able to take advantage of them? Yeah, I think maybe some of the the more recent examples. I mean, if you if you cast your mind back to last year when when South Africa went through the the sovereign downgrade, um, you could see, at least in our view, that that markets were starting to price in the the risk of that sovereign downgrade taking place. And obviously, with the pandemic striking, obviously we saw that risk escalate. Um, our yields went from eight and a half nine or to to almost twelve percent as soon as that news broke. But then shortly after that, markets calmed down again and they, they actually recovered uh, following that downgrade. So it just goes to show that often, you know, that risk is overestimated um, when, when the sentiment is very, very poor. Um, then investors become very sensitive to, to, to the risk component of it. But then ultimately things tend to, to recover. Another good example, a similar example would be in the US. Uh, you know, tapering is very topical at the moment. And, and when they went through the tapering exercise back in 2013, we again saw um, bond yields spike up from 2 to 3%. But then in the following year, in 2014, they came back all the way from 3 to 2%. So it just goes to show that investors, again, overestimated the risk when the pressure was on. And there was actually an opportunity there uh, the following year. I think maybe something to look forward to if we're looking ahead. We think that U.S. equities is in a similar space at the moment. So again, there's so much good news at the moment. It seems like the, the market is completely overestimating the good news there and underestimating the, the risks. And that's something that, that we think we need to look out for in, in the coming months. What are the data sets that you are looking at when determining whether markets are mispricing assets or shares? 
Well, I think there's a, a healthy combination of, of top-down factors like, like the macro and the geopolitical elements that you mentioned in, in your introduction. I think those things are obviously quite important. Um, but then also, if you look at, at, a, at a stock or security-specific level, um, it also becomes quite important to understand um, what's happening there. So, you know, the, the, the biggest cyclical trends in, in the industries and in the economies are, are are very important right now with all the monetary stimulus going on. But it's definitely the case that some stocks offer better protection than, than others. So um, you don't want to be overspending on any stocks, um, for, uh, for example, at, at the moment. So if you can find something that's um, of decent value, potentially on the lesser loved side of the market, but off you, offering you a lot of margin of safety on the valuation, and you can see the stock benefiting from a, a change in the macro environment. That's typically something that you would consider. So you, you can tell from the explanation the type of data that you would need from the financial statements on the security to macroeconomic data, and then also obviously just some good judgment on the and on, on the assessment of overall situation, including geopolitics. I mean, those are factors that you don't typically find data for, but you need to factor that into your investment process. Otherwise, you, you can be caught out. Okay, so what advice do you have for investors where they can actually use this information of mispricing that we've been talking about to their benefit? Well, I think if you, if you go back to the example around what happened with South African bonds, for example, I think you know many investors would have would have got that completely wrong. So, so there's something to be said for experience in navigating markets. I think if you if you're going to 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 invest for the long term, it, it helps to partner up with someone either from a financial uh, a planner, wealth planner, investment manager. Make sure that that you use experienced individuals that have seen these things before and are familiar with the way that markets overreact to to news and also how markets can at times completely underestimate risks. Um, so you would need someone that has the demonstrable skills on the long term in terms of a track record of, of success. Um, and then I think a portfolio should in general always be prepared for the unexpected. So even with the best wealth managers or investment managers out there, they can't completely foretell the future. So something like the, the, the pandemic, for example, is, is, is a very good way of explaining why a portfolio should be prepared for the unexpected. There's no way that anybody could have realistically foretold a, a, a pandemic um, and, and you would have been caught out if your portfolio wasn't um, diversified properly. So um, in that sense, how do you how do you make sure that you're prepared for the unexpected? I think there's really two things is obviously diversify the portfolio for that unexpected event, whatever it may be. Um, and then also have realistic expectations around what the what markets do over the short and the long term. So we often see investors fall into these traps over the short term um, when the stresses are on and and they want to overestimate the risks and then do silly things with portfolios. But if you've got realistic expectations that you know a, a decent market correction or a serious market event is something that you're going to see along your journey, then I think that already helps quite a bit to make sure that you, you don't make those mistakes when when they do come. Great advice there. We're going to leave it there. Thank you very much. That was Adrian Pask, who is Chief Investment Officer at PSG Wealth.